Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the mic, starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. This is the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik. Today it is my distinct pleasure and a privilege to welcome Nathan uh, Tronfio or Trunfio? First one. Tronfio. Nate, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Mike. Thank you for having me on. I, I greatly appreciate uh, uh, you coming on the podcast. Could you tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself? But first, uh, let me just uh, uh, say that you are a new brother from the Collective Genius Mastermind. A lot of bright, 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 super bright folks in that mastermind. And uh, you're coming from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, um, not too far from New York, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've done over a billion dollars in loans uh, on single family and multifamily assets. That is hugely impressive. You are a lender and an equity investor, and you've spent your entire career in real estate. And you're now with DLP Direct Lending Partners. Did I miss anything super important about your career? No, I think that sums it up. I, I don't even know if you need to hear from me. <laughs> but yes, well, so, <laughs> thank you for the for the introduction. Um, but but as you said, you know, I, I've been in real estate and lending my entire career. Um, first in the residential lending space, then uh, about a three year stint in alternative business lending, and uh, now sort of meeting in the middle of those two fields in um, hard money, soft money, private lending. Um, and so I'm the president here of DLP Direct Lending Partners. Uh, handle running all operations, um, have a great strong sales team, um, as well as running all of credit. So uh, involves making credit decisions, which is uh, the exciting part. And we we operate as a, as essentially a, a debt fund. Th that's great. I appreciate their overview. And, and I had the uh, uh, we've looked at a couple of files together, and I attest mm -hmm. to your experience and wisdom. It's so far, it's been great. Every interaction has been incredible. So, you know your stuff. Let me put it this way. <laughs> Thank you, man. It's a, a lot of hard work because I'm not naturally that smart. It's just got to work hard at trying to learn and retain. Well, you're certainly working very, very hard to uh, <laughs> accumulate so much wisdom and experience. <laughs> Well, thank you. So, thank you. What about you, Nate? Uh, your family, just a couple of words about you. Your yeah, kids, absolutely. cats, dogs. <laughs> so um, uh, probably most importantly, uh, married three years as of uh, last week to my uh, lovely wife, Alyssa. Uh, we do have a cat and a dog. Um, I have one younger brother uh, and then mom and dad are both up in New England, both in Massachusetts um, and in Rhode Island. Um, besides long walks on the beach, uh, I like to stay active as much as I can while working long days. Uh, so that means uh, trying to get out on the golf course on weekends, except uh, around this time of year when it gets cold in the winter in the Northeast. Um, and then just socializing, interacting with people and, and absorbing being uh, and partaking in groups such as Collective Genius just to be around uh, great, smart, like-minded people um, just like yourself, Mike. Yeah, that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing about your family. You have a, a lovely family, and uh, I certainly uh, share your wisdom that Northeast, the weather is getting uh, unfortunately colder here. Uh, so it is what it is. That's, uh, uh, that's how the world <laughs> goes that's around. It. That's it. Have the cold and the hot. Otherwise, it's just the one season. So <laughs> Gives us a little extra flavor. Yeah, a little bit of diversity, so for sure. 
So what does DLP do? Yeah, so um, great question because um, we, we do a lot. Um, you know, we are a large real estate conglomerate with uh, a number of vertically integrated companies, but just to give sort of just the brief and in, in high strokes uh, of that um, is that we started off as a large realty brokerage. Uh, we're still in, to this day, we're number one in transaction volume in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Our realty team's done about 1,500 transactions so far year to date, uh, which gives us good understanding of especially our local market here in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, so that's where we started as, and now we essentially are a real estate investment uh, fund where we uh, raise uh, money all from high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals. Uh, some, some small pieces of it are institutional based sources, um, but that allows us to control all of our capital and all of our decisions. And we deploy this money into two main strategies, uh, the first being an equity strategy. Um, so we own now um, about 10,000 uh, 10, doors uh, of multifamily, predominantly B and C class um, assets in the Carolinas and the Southeast, and now spreading geographically a little bit wider uh, in pursuit of good value-add deals. Uh, we also, we self-manage about 75, 80% of those doors. Uh, so we have a large property management group. Um, and then we also do all of our own construction management and have specialized um, in true value add deals with large CapEx budgets. So our team itself is about 350 people, um, about 200 of that work on the property management side. The rest are more in our, what we call our corporate companies. Um, and our other uh, deployment strategy uh, is the debt arm of the business, which is um, DLP Direct Lending Partners. Uh, so we lend on a, a fairly wide suite of products, the fix and flip space, single family bridge loans. Uh, we also lend on single family new construction, uh, ground up, uh, as well as then uh, predominantly in the CRE realm with bridge loans, it's multifamily assets. Uh, and then last, um, we also do a component of a pref equity uh, investment that's not necessarily on the dead end, but our, our, but our debt sort of um, employees and team works on it and originates it and deployed through uh, our equity fund. So um, that's a little bit about all of that we do, um, probably leaving some stuff out, but we have a, a great team and all things related around investing in real estate. Um, and it's a, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, it's a great overview, and certainly uh, I like your focus, uh, Southeast, uh, I guess, multifamily, a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. So just a quick question on that. Um, what do you think about the market today? We looked at a couple of deals in Southeast, and it's tough to find deals. It's gotten, <laughs> boy, it's gotten, um, cap rates have come down, people are overpaying for assets left and right, and uh, if you're not doing value add, it's really hard to buy anything semi-decent nowadays. Any thoughts on that, on this sector? How are you finding deals nowadays? Yeah, um, so uh, it's a great question. Uh, there's a, a lot of feedback there. Um, you know, I, we are still, and of course, because we're heavily investing in it, big believers in that the multifamily investment space is absolutely, there's a lot of opportunities, uh, especially with such a big need for, uh, affordable rented um, apartment complexes, um, you know, whether you look at affordability levels or increasing consumer debt, I think there's going to be more and more of a, a need. Uh, and also, if you just look at the demand side, there's just a huge need for um, affordable products. So, um, you know, everybody nowadays uh, is investing in value add multifamily. But as you said, 
you know, how much of that is legitimate and real. Um, and so to me, we absolutely see um, that the, the markets have become very frothy um, and there's a, a lot of lofty assumptions. Um, I actually just uh, finished the Steve Schwartzman uh, autobiography and he sort of relates to the, to the crash to where, um, you know, a lot of the debt funds and, and lenders out there are actually sort of incentivized incentivize the crash, giving uh, high leverage and operators at the other side of the coin uh, were stretching their assumptions in order to get the high leverage. And then when those assumptions uh, and business plan wasn't able to be hit, that's when, you know, debt service payments weren't able to be covered. And so came, you know, part of the crash related to, you know, things in the, the CRE and multifamily realm. I don't think we're too close to that per se, um, but it does put a, a, a huge focus into the importance of diligence under, in underwriting, um, especially when you're looking to create value. Um, and again, you know, with the markets being very frothy, it's, you know, it's important to make sure that you are getting in at a good basis on the buy. Um, you know, we've, we know, we all know, uh, in, you know, where you're sitting, Mike, in New York City, uh, primary markets are, are, I don't know if it's, the, if it's a word, but the frothiest. Um, but now more and more, we see a lot of uh, smaller and startup um, investors and a lot of, a lot of, you know, beginner syndicators are moving to secondary and tertiary markets. And we start to, we're starting to see a lot of um, uh, deals be pushed um, in regards to, you know, what they're looking at and their assumptions to show value creation and to support uh, paying for what they're paying in the secondary and tertiary markets. So, um, you know, I'm a little all over the place with my feedback there, but it's definitely an interesting space. But at the same time, uh, there's still a ton of opportunities for good acquisitions and good value creation. You just have to be super disciplined and really know what you're getting in and out of. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in, 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 in what you just said. Uh, I certainly um, share a lot of these key points and uh, it's the chase uh, of the yield. Everybody seems mm. to be, um, I mean, big, big uh, the MSAs, uh, like New York City, there's no yield here at all, right? I mean, that's the problem. Yeah, so, especially when your caps are starting with a four or sometimes even less. Oh, less than that. I mean, New York City, <laughs> some areas like two and a half. So yep. you, you, you're going to finance at a rate higher than that. So you have some, some kind of negative leverage. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we do, um, as, a, as a lender and as a debt fund, we lend all bridge stuff, but I also handle and we handle a lot of uh, debt placement uh, for ourselves and for other third-party operators. Um, and it, it is, um, and you see a lot of deals falling out because a lot of debt nowadays, especially on the agency type side, is debt service constraints, which again is a sign um, of good diligence as lenders in restricting the the amount that they're looking to give in leverage. But at the same time, you know, it speaks to the, the pricing and the yield that investors are willing to take on uh, for investments, you know, if these assets on the in-place cash flows are restricted by the debt service coverage. Yeah, DSCR puts a squeeze. I mean, it requires a lot more equity, especially if that, you know, the cap rate is below the, 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 the debt rate. You, you yep. almost probably have to put down, you know, 40, 50%, otherwise you just can't service the debt and it's prudent as a lender the fact that uh, this discipline is in place is actually a good thing it doesn't let the market Agreed. completely get out of control yeah so, and I think also you know there's a lot of then investors that as a result of that they look to take on bridge debt for acquisitions which I mean right now um, you know as us as operators most of our acquisitions are with some form of, of bridge debt um, but it's just, again, it's making sure that the assumptions that you're putting into your performance and your analysis um, can be there, whether through thick and through thin, you know, if the music starts to slow down a little bit, um, you know, are you going to be able to support your original business plan? 
Um, so, you know, one of the basic things that we always see with deals that, you know, we, we will take double, triple looks at is, you know, when you're in place, you know, acquisition cap rate um, is, um, is higher than what you're expecting on the exit. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine that cap rates are going to continue to compress, uh, especially if you're looking at a three, five, seven year hold. So again, it just speaks to um, making sure you're being diligent and conservative in your analysis because there's great deals and you can get great debt. I mean, debt is certainly a, a borderline commodity in the middle market, you know, bridge space specifically, um, you, you know, but you as an investor and an operator, you know, whether it's your own money or you're raising it from other investors need to be prudent in, in your decisioning for sure. And not take up too much leverage just to just to get a deal done yeah absolutely leverage works both ways and it could sink um uh, an equity deal if the uh the value at plan doesn't work out uh or, or works runs uh below the projections because at the refi point you're not going to be able to meet the projections and going to be left with a pickle. You got to raise more equity to be able to refi or something like that. So which is uh, which is tough, especially if you're you know syndicating your equity, right? Because you 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 would have to go out and do you know essentially another uh, round and raise um, and call additional capital. And you know if 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 that's happening and again the music starts to slow down or stop, it's going to be hard for those same investors to to invest additional equity into a project that's already not hitting their original assumptions. Yeah, I don't even want to go go in in this area. It'll, it'll be a a legal Agreed. conversation. Yep. <laughs> How the yep. BPM is written and everything else, and what happens if 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 they're short and they need to do equity calls. Many investors are not prepared for that, so it's a, it's an unpleasant conversation for sure. <laughs> so, what are the trends that you're seeing today? Again, uh, doing what you're doing. What are the big trends uh, you're seeing in real estate? At least sure. deals that you uh, operate. Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch on that. Um, you know, we touched on the multifamily realm, which um, obviously we're active as uh, investors ourselves. We've been told by many uh, big brokers in the, in the Southeast that we're one of the most active buyers. Uh, and we have a great reputation for proof of execution as well as uh, we're big on the, the bridge debt um, side, specifically in the small balance heavy lifts uh, multifamily deals. But, you know, our other product suite covers um, single family. Uh, and then I'll touch maybe on uh, new construction. So, um, you know, in the single family realm in, in regards to investments, um, you know, the fix and flips, uh, which has been uh, bread and butter in that space for at least the last decade, um, are starting to dwindle. I mean, all stats around the nation show a reduction in, in flips being done, uh, not only a reduction in that, but a reduction in actually the margins in each of these underlying deals. Um, so as a result, um, we're seeing uh, the good operators continue to sort of rise and a lot of the inexperienced operators, you know, really having a hard time finding deals. And specifically as a lender, we see this because a lot of loans are LTV or ARV restricted. Uh, and we see the same same thing we just said about the, the multifamily realm uh, is that single family investors are really looking to stretch their ARVs. They're also, uh, we see them underestimating their renovation amounts. Um, and, you know, it's it's this type of sort of push and, and uh, thirst just to do a deal uh, that, you know, we're hoping that, um, you know, that, that we can continue to see good deals and that operators don't get hurt by any means. 
Um, but at the end of the day, in the single family realm, you have to be very creative. Um, you have to be going first and foremost uh, with your own lead gen, direct to seller. Um, the best operators and experienced operators have, you know, moderate to large direct to seller uh, teams or marketing teams driving in leads um, and salesmen closing down on, on acquisition opportunities. Uh, but then the underlying business strategies are, are also um, you know, shifting a little bit. You see a lot of fix, uh, fix and flip people now fixing to hold or um, they're also fixing to stabilize and then sell turnkey to another investor where sometimes um, they property manage then thereafter and get some additional fee revenue and they're also familiar with the asset um, or you see a lot more um, uh, of larger investors really looking to buy uh, portfolios or tapes um, and just continuing to try and uh, amass, you know, scattered single family assets and, and build cash flowing portfolios. So, you know, we see a, a, a lot of diversity and a lot of creativity, especially from uh, the experienced investors, but it's it's a very interesting space, still a lot of money to make. Um, and then another sort of, you know, not, it's not a new strategy by any means, but we see a lot of fix and flip investors or single family investors um, because of the inability to find good inventory, start to look to build anew. Um, for a number of reasons, you know, one of the most obvious is that um, on the new construction side, uh, the whole project itself is a lot more predictable. Um, you know, ourselves, we've we've begun to do this. We we built we'll build about uh, 200 plus single family homes this year. Where we are. our goal, and we're projected to build 500 next year. Um, and the the you know, the um, the differentiation in our cost estimates on new construction deals uh, to what actual budget becomes is about one, maybe 2% max. Whereas on the fix and flip side, you know, once you start opening up doors, you can see variances of 20, 30% on a budget and that can really hurt margins. So um, not only that, but, you know, investing into scattered and fill lots is a, a big focus right now for um, uh, people building and doing new construction in the single family space. We see a lot of people looking to build spec homes, um, which is something that the banks have a harder time lending on in, in, um, in bulk. Uh, but for us, that's something that we uh, believe a lot in um, because you can build a new product in areas um, where there's a lot of home ownership, uh, good other homeowners and can support, um, you know, the high values that there, there are right now in, in this, you know, strong market that we have. Um, build to rent is also a hot topic as well. So uh, I think, again, I think we covered a lot on the multifamily side, but that's a little bit of feedback on the single family space um, in regards to repositioning of existing assets or building in the new construction lane. Uh, that's broad and, 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 and deep both. Uh, I certainly agree with you that the inventory is a greatly reduced. I, I literally just came from San Diego and I met with a o old XCG guy who was, one of the top wholesalers in the country and he's still doing the business but quite a quite a bit less and he was a brilliant marketer and continues mm. to be a brilliant marketer just inventories not only the inventories uh, have come down but the spreads have come down quite a bit so the, co the consequence is that he's still doing it but just like you mentioned looking for alternative opportunities where you could park the money for longer term and Yep. find something to um, kind of to do. <laughs> I want I don't remember. It's a, you know, can't quote me hundred percent on this, but I was reading an article. I think it was from core logic that said um, the average uh, return on flips um, was around like the high 60,000s 
um, about a year ago. And that's, that's not taking into account renovation amount because they can't pull the data to know how much in renovation was spent. Uh, whereas uh, in Q, at the end of Q3 or around the beginning of Q3, I think it was, um, the margins have dropped to the low 60s. So uh, they're, you know, they're looking at the end, you know, the acquisition price to the disposition price. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, sure, it doesn't sound like maybe you call it six, eight, nine thousand is a is a big amount, but you you know convert that into a whole percentage of of you know of the entire return, um, and you're looking at a you know pretty big compression in, in yield for sure. Yeah, they're getting very tight. So the operating margins, at least on the deals we do, even on the hard money space, uh, the margins have shrunk quite a bit. Only the best, as you mentioned, the most experienced operators who move volume, they're able to um, find quality deals through the marketing, still negotiate decent prices, and then execute uh, on volume acquisition of construction materials and also uh, reliable teams. That's another key component yeah. in today's environment. Maintaining good teams are hard. People move around, opportunities are there. So uh, it makes sense. I and think I one thing is, you know, lenders themselves are enabling it too by increasing their limits on ARV. Um, you know, a lot of lenders have now gone from, you know, previously max 70% ARV, which, you know, can enforce a deal that will have some some yield in it. You know, people will argue that either whether it's 65 or 70% is the rule of thumb when looking at a potential flip and making sure that your total costs are under that. Um, and now a lot of lenders are stretching to 75% ARV. I've even seen some quotes from other lenders the other day up to 80%, which to me, you know, there's really no margins when you bake in the disposition costs, paying a realtor, paying transfer tax on the way out, um, and then also your your holding costs as well. You know, pay, t- paying the debt funds, paying the lenders. Um, so you know, it's it's being enabled because there is a lot of debt money in, in both the single family space and in the multifamily as well. Yeah, that's a great great point. Um, I like to use the 75% as the golden max ratio. If you're a rehabber, your purchase plus rehab should not exceed 75%. And uh, if I, you know, I know a lot of California guys and they, they push it sometimes to 83%, 84%. It's crazy. It's, it's, you look at this and it's like, it's a game of perfection. As long as the prices keep climbing up, it works. But if you're delayed or if you sure. have post overruns, you, you lose your shirt on a deal. So. I mean, look, you know, simple math is let, let's say 80%, 83%. You know, most people are now able to pay realtors about four and a half to five percent. So let's call it just for round number five percent, one percent transfer tax on the way out. If your debt is, you know, getting at eight percent, I mean, that's close to 15% total right there. And your ARV was 80%. I mean, the margins are, are skinny and you spent, you know, nine months to a year uh, investing blood, sweat. You know, in, in your own equity in, into into these deals, just for a small yield. It's exactly correct. It's too tight, and I agree with you. It's just it's been it's been um, a struggle for a lot of people. So, uh, just quickly switch for a couple of minutes to mm-hmm. new construction. So, I'm assuming new constructions you're building, and and at least the, the projects you've looked you've looked at, are they all affordable range, or are people still buying kind of, uh, building a higher end stuff? Because um, at least we've stopped looking at anything other than affordable because the market for for, uh, for above the average is getting very you know frothy it's there's a lot of risk there 
And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What are you looking at? Are you still yeah. looking at a lot of affordable stuff or above affordable? Yeah, great, great question. So um, that was one part of what, what DLP does is, as, as I said earlier, is we are a builder um, and we are firm believers um, in only building in the affordable space. Again, just because of such a, a shortage and need and demand for affordable housing and especially with, with rentership at all times high. So uh, as investors ourselves, we aren't dabbling in anything, um, you know, in the luxury or higher end realm. Uh, as a lender, uh, we have gotten uh, comfortable in more of, um, you know, higher end bills, luxury builds, um, but it's very geographically sensitive uh, to ensure that there's sort of proof of concept there. Um, you know, the higher end market, you know, depending on the market, whether you call it above 500,000, above 800,000, above a million, um, is still very soft. You know, you can argue that it almost hasn't recovered um, still since uh, the downfall in the crash. Um, and so we're very hesitant in, in those spaces, um, you know, and have some limitations as a lender in some of the upgrade packages, especially if they're spec homes um, that, that we will or won't lend on. Um, but for the most part, our, our product is geared more towards that affordable space. Um, there is still tons of lot inventory out there and fill lots uh, from the crash. You know, Florida is, is just a hotbed for it still. Um, as much as builders have you know, putting, been putting a lot of product into it. You know, the Carolinas have a, a good amount of land as well. Um, you know, but we're, we are big believers also in the fact that it's in the infill space. You know, the development world um, can be very tough. Um, you know, again, regionally, regionally, you can talk different numbers, but, you know, we do a lot in Central Florida and you're looking at, you know, forty dollars to $50,000 to, you know, per lot to buy and develop land, whereas we can acquire lots in the 10 to $20,000 range. Plus, you know, you add your impact fee and you're, you're closer to that $30,000 $30, cost uh, for sort of acquisition of, of dirt and ready to put the shovel in the ground. Um, so, you know, we are big believers that the infill space uh, is really where to be. And that also enables you to follow an investment strategy that is more in line with affordable uh, because you don't have to push um, your top end number, your ARVs and what you're trying to build to, um, because your acquisition basis is lower. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So in that particular example in central Florida, if you're all in on the land, 30,000, what is the construction cost and what, what do you generally sell it for? Yeah. Good, good question. Um, so we, we have a couple of different models, um, but we are, our build costs, um, you're, they're usually the product is 1500 to 2000 square feet, three twos, um, about 180,000 to, um, to about low 200s, 205, 210. Um, we're predominantly building uh, from brick and mortar around like 73 to 75 bucks a square. Um, on just brick and mortar, again, taking land cost out. Um, we have a very unique model. We could, we could talk a long, long ways on this, but we actually build a lot of um, net zero homes right now in central Florida, so energy efficient homes. You know, it, it's costing us maybe call it about $14,000 to put in a solar package, um, and yet you can gain about twenty dollars to $30,000 in as complete value. Um, and so our homes without that package typically is around the two sixty range, um, to 270 range. And then with solar, it's 275 to 290, just depending on the specific uh, unit that we're building. Um, but hopefully that gives you sort of that idea of what, you know, what we're doing ourselves. Uh, and there's definitely some good margins in it. I think there's a lot to say about the build to rent space. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of uh, real estate investors are also um, becoming, 
you know, and falling in love with that terminology. And to me and to us, the build to rent space really only works in scale and in bulk. Um, you know, if you're an investor that's looking to do, you know, one or two builds at a time, you know, the build to rent with, with even, even though it's more predictable of a build in, in, in cost management, um, you know, it's, it's still hard to justify all the work that goes into it uh, as opposed to, you know, if you're looking to, to have an asset an investment for cash flow purposes, you're likely best trying to find something that, um, you know, you, you can, you can buy and put a tenant in and do sort of a, a lipstick job in renovations. But if you have the liquidity and the experience to build in bulk, um, you know, whether that's 20, 30, 40, uh, plus, you know, uh, starts or, or builds in a, in a given year or quarter or half a year, uh, then, then the build to rent model can make some space, especially since there's a huge appetite, uh, from a lot of the hedge funds out there to buy the, the end product at CO. Yeah, that's, that's a very good, uh, last set of comments. Just, just phenomenal. I, I, I know a lot of guys who move volume of turnkeys through their networks and, um, They've effectively been um, shifting to the new construction, and they're working with developers who move volume. I mean, this this is not a game for amateurs who could build a few of these. Mm-hmm. Infills are great, but generally speaking, there needs to be economy of scale. And uh, the built-to-rent affordable product is pretty hot because it's new construction. It generates decent RV uh, rent-to-value ratio, and uh, it can always be sold to first-time home buyer. So, yep. from that perspective. These are working class neighborhoods, um, and uh, they are fairly affordable. And the next step up is also pretty decent, like what, what you're building, because you could actually sell um, to, again, first-time home buyers or maybe, you know, second-upgrade second, second upgrade mm-hmm. home. But the bottom line is the whole thing has to stay affordable just in case. If you can't really sell it, you should be able to rent it. And um, Yep, agreed. Uh, the, the price points obviously vary market by market. I mean, it's in that market. I'm in New York City and very <laughs> different price points. And it's almost amazing. Remember, I think Barbara Cochran said like a million dollars in Manhattan is very, very low entry point. A million dollars, you know, <laughs> Central Florida. <laughs> be a, a you very built a couple. <laughs> yeah. So just reflecting for the different prices. Um, yeah, I appreciate your wisdom. We are almost out of time. Really appreciate um uh, you sharing any other quick comments uh, if folks wanted to uh, get a hold of you is there a way to reach sure. out for any final advice uh, good book any other thoughts kind of parting parting thoughts yeah so um, to reach out to me my email is uh, nate at dlpre so n-a-t-e at d-l-p-r-e standing for dlp real estate um, so that's how you can get a hold of me um, I'm in the middle of a lot, a lot of books right now. Um, so it's hard for me to recommend one, but, um, I encourage you if you do want a good book recommendation, whether it's about scaling your business, um, or real estate investing or anything in, in between, um, reach out to me because we are DLP avid readers. Um, as we, you know, it's very cliche, but you know, if you're not learning, you're dying. Um, and they also say there's something to say about, um, some of the most successful people, in the world from a business standpoint are also almost always a heavy and avid readers. So, um, you know, I think that's a great point to throw out there that book recommendation. Um, and you know, I, I have a lot of them, uh, just depends on what anybody's looking to read. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you kindly for your wisdom and, uh, your, uh, your time. Uh, once again, Nate, thank you. Uh, uh, Nate at dlpre.com, right? I think you that missed it.com, but, 
because <laughs> this dot net dot something else <laughs> yes and i'm sorry it is dot dot com you're you're absolutely right and uh, again thank you so much for uh having me on here it's it's uh it's it's an honor and it's just been an honor getting to know you um and and you know looking at deals side by side with you man is uh you're you're certainly a wealth of knowledge um and and it's it's awesome uh you know to be able to do some business with you thank you kindly awesome Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike Slotnick. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.